Well, welcome to quantum number 169, and this one is a very different kind of special. It's the Squid Games special. That music that you hear at the beginning, it's like a, a children's song, and the Squid Games, I mentioned it last week, I've written about it since then in an article that's kind of gone viral uh, about the Netflix series, Korean series, The Squid Games, which is way and above their most popular series ever and doubtless we'll see lots of imitations and so on. Now, the reason I want to make this a Squid Game special is not so much a commentary on the Squid Games, but it, the Squid Games raises key issues. I, I myself, as I watched it, I was profoundly moved by it. It is violent, it, it, but it deals with key issues of humanity today, and it just made me so sad. Now, let me say, first of all, it's crazy that children are watching this, and children should not be watching it. Um, it is... Also, although it describes our culture, it offers no answers. And that's what I want to do. I want to go through some of the issues raised by the Squid Games and see it in the light of contemporary society and news. And, well, you'll see. Those of you who've seen it, that's the children's game that turns into a shooting, uh, basically a massacre. This is a very violent world in so many ways. Some of the violence within the series is what I would call computer-generated violence. It's not comic book violence, it's a step up from that. In some ways, people see it as very realistic. I don't think it is that realistic, but I do think it does. It is horrific. And there is one thing I am absolutely sure of in today's world. The world has always been violent, but I think right now we're living in one of those periods where violence is more endemic. We're going back to the Greco-Roman pagan view of the world. So, for example, examples of violence I could we could turn this podcast into a six-hour special and we'd have plenty examples from around the world. But let's go with this one. I'm shocked. I can't believe it's happened in a small town like this. I hope I don't recognize every no, one of them who's killed. I was actually going to have a cigarette out on my porch, which is basically right across the street from here. And I saw a friend of mine covering behind a car and then I suddenly hear a distinct thunk sound. And being, well, I've been active within archery. I recognize the sound from a compound bow. And I can hear the tingling of the arrow hitting the streets. And after that, I could see a man running towards her, dragging a kid out of the car, and then they entered my house. Uh, I, I, know, I know some of the people, and, uh, and, and I've, I've, I mean, I've met the guy that, that, that they say is the is the is the guy that did it and it just it just feels terrible 
That was in Norway, a deadly bow and arrow attack which left five people dead. And uh, according to the Norwegian Security Service, the PST, they think it was somebody who'd been radicalised, a 37-year-old Danish citizen named Espin Andersen Brathen, who'd converted to Islam and there were fears that he had been radicalised. He killed four women and a man in the southern town of Konsberg. It's just so desperately sad. And then there are other examples. I'll just take one. Um, in Myanmar, a human rights groups condemned the burning down of entire village. Uh, it's Realty village near the state's capital of, of Hakta, and this is in the, in the state of Chin, which is predominantly a Christian area. Uh, it, the church and their warehouse were burnt down. Houses were set on fire. Eight houses are torched. And the church has been burnt down as well by the military regime. And then, of course, this event occurred in the United Kingdom last weekend. Sir David was taken from us in a contemptible act of violence, striking at the core of what it is to be a member of this house and violating the sanctity both of the church in which he was killed and the constituency surgery that is so essential to our representative democracy. That's the death of the Conservative MP, David Ames. He was a devout Catholic Christian. He was one of the strongest advocates in the Houses of Parliament for uh, against abortion and against euthanasia. It's interesting, Boris Johnson there was to go on and to say in tribute to Sir David uh, that the city of South End rather would be named a city. I think it'd be a much more fitting tribute if they didn't pass the euthanasia bill that some of them are trying to. That was a cause he fought for. And it's interesting, in the middle of that violence, uh, a former president of the Secular Society sent me a couple of tweets from other officials in the Secular Society. He sent me them because he was disgusted by them. Absolutely disgusted. Uh, Gary Otten, uh, a secular, a militant secularist in Scotland, described him as a homophobic Christian Tory MP died. And Terry Sanderson of the Humanists argued that this was what happens when you have two, this was religious killing. Sir David was in a Methodist church doing his surgery, his constituency surgery, and he was killed by an Islamist. And again, it's fascinating. Boris Johnson didn't mention it. Very few other people mention it. MPs are going on and on and on about how they need to be kinder to one another because otherwise it just instills this campaign of hatred. But nobody mentioned the elephant in the room. This was a young Somali man who gave every appearance of being just fine and normal, who travelled from London to Southend specifically to kill this MP. An MP who has had associations with uh, Qatar. Now, again, you have to be really careful with all of this. Nobody, or I was going to say nobody is saying, but nobody should say that this is the responsibility of all Muslims. But neither should people go to the opposite extreme of saying this has nothing to do with Islam. Yes, it does. It has a significant amount to do, uh, as incidentally the Norwegian killings as well. And it 
there are many fine and good Muslims who need to deal with this, and you cannot tar all Muslims the same, but equally you cannot ignore part of the motivation for this. And then just one more example of the violence. An armed gang in Haiti have abducted 17 Christian missionaries and their family members. They are demanding a uh, ransom. Uh, they've been kidnapped by a gang which is infamous in Haiti for attacking churches. Now, what is the answer to all of this? The answer to violence is not more violence nor is it talking about peace while preparing for war. The answer to violence is to come to know the one who is the king of peace and to know real shalom. Now, the second theme that's dealt with is poverty. So let's listen to another piece of music that the film uses. That is Hayden, of course, the trumpet. One of the things, the big themes of this film is the gap between rich and poor, and that's because the debt crisis, the household debt crisis in Korea is very uh, significant and important. And I'll give you just again a couple of examples. Now, I've argued, I argued in the climate change special that climate change will be used to enrich the rich and to hammer the poor. And what I mean by that is the measures taken to deal with climate change. So if, for example, is a conservative donor whose father lends Boris Johnson his helicopter, has won millions of pounds in government, green cash it's called. Joe Bamford, the son of the JC boss, Lord JCB boss, Lord Bamford, has set himself up in the hydrogen fuel industry, which at the COP26 climate change conference, that's going to be where a lot of the money is. He's calling himself a green entrepreneur, and uh, he's got the firm Wright Bus uh, and set up the Bamford Bus Company, and they've landed a share of a £700 million worth contract from government bodies to supply hydrogen buses. They've been also awarded an 11.2 million grant from the government to develop new hydrogen technology. And he's looking for another 500 million of taxpayers' money to finance a 3,000-strong fleet of hydrogen buses. Those who've got money will make it. And guess who's paying for it? The taxpayer. All right, here's another example. In in the Squid Games, there's a contrast made between the poor who are so in debt that they are prepared to take part in a game in which most of them will be killed to try and get out of that debt, and the very wealthy who are coming and gambling on the game and the ostentation of the, you know, so they're having the classical music and the fine wine and, you know, humans just being used and the art and everything else. Well, here's, here's an example of that in real life. You were here for this fantastic moment at 16 million pounds. Alex, you're coming in. I can't tell you how terrified I am to bring down this hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking that everyone is accounted for. We know who you all are. <laughs> and selling, ladies and gentlemen, for a new world record, the Banksy, love is in the bin, 
Sold to you, £16 million. Congratulations. Now, what was that? That's the Banksy, partially shredded Banksy, which was shredded in a stunt, which sold, I think, for £1.2 That has now sold, the shredded painting has now sold for, I think it's £18,582,000. Ah. Love is in the bin, it was called. Outperformed its price estimate of between four and six million. Now, none of this has anything to do with art. None of it. None of this is about the quality of the art. None of this is about skill or ability or beauty. It is entirely about money, celebrity, and fame. If you or I had put up a painting of a red flower on white and shredded it, we'd do well to get, you know, 18 pounds or 18 dollars. Never mind 18 million. And I think that is indicative of much of the culture in which we live. And what's the answer to that? The answer to the excesses of corporate capitalism, which, by the way, has now gone completely woke and authoritarian, and the biggest danger to our freedoms comes from the corporations, not from governments who are increasingly weak. But the biggest answer to the corporate capitalism is not communism, because it just becomes corporate communism. You mean... The Squid Games takes place in South Korea. Just go and look to North Korea to see how communism works. Whatever economic system we use, they will need Christian values. And again, that's back to... We, the West prosperity was largely based upon Christianity. And by the way, so was South Korea's. Okay, the third area is humanity. Again, let's listen to a piece of music from the Squid Games. Now, I found this particularly disturbing because that is Strauss and the Schoener Blauer Danube. It, it's the Blue Danube, of course. It is a beautiful piece of music, and that music is playing whilst all this cruelty and killing is going on. And that just shows, and also in the midst of the Squid Games, you, you get some incredible acts of kindness and even self-sacrifice. So humanity is, you know, not all evil, but there's good and bad, if you like, in every one of us. And occasionally we see parts of the image of God shining through in us. However, often against the backdrop of beauty comes this incredible ugliness. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, it's good to hear that Spain has moved against prostitution. The Prime Minister of Spain has pledged to outlaw prostitution in the country. Pedro Sanchez said the practice enslaves women and his manifesto calls prostitution one of the cruelest aspects of the feminization of poverty and one of the worst forms of violence against women. Meanwhile, here in Australia, in Victoria, they're legalizing prostitution and calling it sex work. Here in New South Wales, you can, you're, it's easier for you to go to a brothel than to go to a church with the COVID restrictions. The UN, by the way, estimates that the country's sex industry, they call it, it's not an industry, is worth £3.1 billion per year. Now, I 
know some people who have been campaigning against this and I'm delighted that their work is beginning to show some fruit. And of course, one of the forms of prostitution, it leads to slavery. Now, here is a friend from Australia, Colin Buchanan. Many of you will know. Here's a, a, a wee ditty he, he, he did as a kind of action for something that's going on here. So first of all, let's listen to this song. Well, you don't buy a coffee or an ice cold beer, then water it down. Don't water it down. You don't take your time on a brilliant idea, then water it down. Don't water it down. So don't take the modern slavery act and water it down. Don't water it down. It gets worse, not better when you make it wetter, so just don't water it down. All right, what's it about? It's about a piece of modern slavery legislation an act of um, Christian Democrat Paul Green in New South Wales. It was introduced into a private member's bill. It was then co-sponsored by the former Premier Gladys Berejiklian. It passed in June 28, just about to come into statute, and they're amending it to water it down. It's removing supply chain reporting requirements for companies. Now, that's where the slavery goes, that whether it's the Uyghur Muslims, whether it's people in other countries, globalisation allows us not to have slaves in our own country but to take advantage of slaves being, I was going to say employed, they're not employed, being used in other countries. And Colin has written this to say, don't water it down, and good for him. That's a great example of Christian action. I think the answer to the question, what is humanity, is desperately needed in a world where our cultural elites cannot even tell us what a human being is. In the Squid Games, there's a wonderful phrase at the end where one of the contestants says, he hears, you people are like horses. He says, I'm not a horse. I am a human being. But what is a human being? How do you answer that? The biblical answer that we are male and female equally made in the image of God is the foundation of all the great liberal values of diversity, equality, compassion, and humanity. When we reject that, we end up with a Squid Game. Now that's a very ominous piece of music from the Squid Game. Um, I, I'm just staggered at this, to be honest. I don't know why it happens so often. There's a report come from France about the Catholic Church in France between 1950 and 2020. Get this, 330,000 children were abused by clergymen and officials of the Catholic Church. 330,000. At least 3,000 priests and officials performed criminal acts. It's a 2,500-page review by Jean-Marc Sauvé, a senior civil servant. 90% of the victims were boys. So these are, this is male on male, if you like. The investigation found up until 2000, the church hierarchy had shown cruel indifference to the 216,000 victims of the clergy and the 114,000 victims of teachers and other personnel in church institutions. Many cases have not or will not be prosecuted. And here's what the report says. Listen to this. The Catholic Church is, after the circle of family and friends, the environment that has the highest prevalence of sexual violence. Well, in the Squid Games, one of the characters is very anti-Christian and mocks Christianity. 
but her father was a pastor. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler alert, but her father was a pastor who abused her and who killed her mother. And she ended up in jail because she then killed her father. It's no wonder. The biggest reason for people not believing is the behavior of some of those who say they believe. Now, what's the answer here? The answer to the problem of a hypocritical, hubristic, hollow Christianity is not to have less Christianity, but more. At least more of the Christianity which worships, loves, serves and knows Christ, rather than just using it as a prop for our own games. So in all of this, the squid game has just, like the series Breaking Bad, it reminds me of, of the fallenness of humanity. And how can we deal with this virus, not COVID, but the virus of evil that runs through the middle of every human heart? You know, at the end of the Squid Game, there is a street preacher with a sign shouting, believe in Jesus or go to hell. It's a mocking clip, but ultimately that's the only choice. If we don't believe in Christ, we will go to hell and we end up with hell on earth. The only good news is the good news of Christ. You know, and I was thinking of that, Luke 4, 18 to 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the answer. Now that's in general. Let me take you to a specific that I heard that was so moving, and I'm going to put the link on this. It's from the Telegraph's uh, podcast, Play, uh, sorry, Planet Normal. And it speaks of a man called Luke Murfit. Now, thank you to one of uh, one of you sent me this. And that's why it's great to have such a group of inverted commas correspondents, because this is a collective thing from all over the world. And thank you to the person who sent me this. Really appreciated it. I was very, very moved by it. Luke Murfit is interviewed on this. He's the founder and CEO of Integrity Cleaning. Age 34, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and he talks about how being diagnosed with Parkinson's sped his life up rather than slowing it down and that his business managed to double its turnover over lockdown. And it's talked about how he treats his workers. Now, this is great. He doesn't say to them uh, that, that you get low wages. He I think there was a line in the interview at one point. He was advised to pay the minimum he could get away with as these kinds of jobs are often exploited. And instead, he decided to pay the maximum he could get away with. And he says to his staff, you're not a cleaner, you're a person. And he treats his staff with dignity. And I think it's brilliant and it's wonderful. And I knew this as soon as I started listening to it. I thought, I'll bet you. Uh, Just listen to this. That's absolutely phenomenal. I think a lot of people listening, Luke, will be blown away by what you've done you've had a really serious diagnosis and yet you've managed to find within yourself some real grit and determination, but also a lot of altruism. Where does that come from, that combination of characteristics that you've demonstrated after what is such a huge blow of being diagnosed with Parkinson's in your mid-30s? I think it comes from several places. It comes from having great family support in life. It comes from being competitive, support and so forth. It comes from having a lovely wife and children. It comes from having a faith as a Christian. I believe there's more to life than just bad news sort of doesn't have the same effect. Because, um, and it comes from, obviously, the, the challenge that I have every morning, which is 
with Parkinson's, it's not just about the uh, the tremors and the slowness and things that it gives you during the day, but also the challenges in the morning. You know, I wake up in a lot of pain. Um, I feel like I've been in a car crash. My teeth are stuck to my lips. Fingers are curled and I can't move or express the pain. So I have to go through a bit of a process in the morning to break through that. And I have to unbend my fingers. I have to fight with the duvet to get it off me. <laughs> and uh, maybe my ear is folded because I haven't moved for some time. Uh, you know, those things. So those um, 15 minutes from my bed to my bedroom door, when I get to my feet, the first thing I do is I lift up my arms, which is difficult, and I say, thank you, God, for the day. Let me use it for the best of my ability. And then I work my way towards my bedroom door. It's so, his faith. Really Family, friends, faith. As a Christian, his faith in Christ. Do you, did you hear his description of how, for him, the most difficult part of every day is getting up? and opening his hands, and managing to do those first few steps. And then when he does it, he just knows. That is an example of real faith in action, benefiting and helping others. The Squid Games analyzes the problem or states the problem. It has no answers. And I don't think our politicians do, and I don't think all these philosophies do, but I think the answer is found in Christ. If you're not a Christian, I urge you to seek him. And if you are a Christian, let's seek him more and let's live for him properly. Oh, can you hear it now? The song of eternity Calling from heaven's throne Welcoming I'm going to leave you uh, with something else that one of you sent me a piece of music that I thought was lovely. Um, it's from worship leaders in Scotland. I think it's called Voices in Unity. It's just saying that the Christian church needs to be united as we seek to point people to Jesus Christ. Well, this has been a rather unusual episode. I hope you benefited from it. Please know I'm not necessarily recommending the Squid Games. It is very violent. There are a couple of explicit sex scenes. Um, I watched it partly because I had to, but I did also find it brilliant and in many different ways. Some of you will benefit from it, others won't. But I hope you'll keep listening to Quantum. If you'd like to support us, then please do go on to uh, the Podbean fundraiser. And do remember our new podcast called The Ass Podcast. The second one is just out, and it's another interview with Greg Sheridan, this time looking at the cross. It's just so worth looking at. God bless you, and see you next week.
Church scattered and gathered, raising our voices in you.